0: Greetings and welcome to the Transform Podcast. I'm your host Christopher Anastasio, and it is Friday, December seventeenth, twenty twenty-one, and welcome to episode nineteen, guys. So, um, yeah, wanted to kind of take some time in this episode to talk to you guys about um, what what I would kind of describe, and this is my own terminology. This is just the way I think of it, and I and and I'm you know in, in trying to connect with you guys from a Small and medium sized business perspective, this might be the way you would think of this as well so i I kind of want to share my personal philosophy with you and and if it resonates, you know that's that's outstanding and and uh I think with some of you this this may not be the way you view marketing as a function of your business, but I think others will will say yeah okay that that is that is the right construct of how marketing can help and elevate a business and 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 even ultimately help a business transcend. It's competition, and it's you know sort of, um, you know, it's it, it's it's sort of typical way of, of of uh, functioning, and sort of move into a totally different sphere and a totally different uh, strata of of uh, branding itself and reaching customers and creating engagement and creating connection with the end consumer and, and so on and so forth. So you'll understand what I mean by that when I get to the end, um, but. I I just I kind of want to step through this, guys. I'm going to describe each level, if you will, each strata, and relate it back to how that strata or that level of marketing, um, you know, achievement, assistance, involvement, whatever the right word is, uh, how it can help and affect your business in a positive way. Okay? So the way I see it is, as I walk through these three things, none of them is bad quote unquote compared to the other right if in other words if you reside on any one of these strata in terms of how marketing is helping your business you've achieved something you've you've positively um arrived at a point where your business is is benefiting uh in some way or another from a functional organized approach to marketing okay so it's not to say Uh, hey, you know, after I described level one, you should already be trying to get yourself to level two or trying to get yourself to level three. I mean, you know, ultimately, yes, the more you can move up those strata, I think the more you're going to benefit from your marketing efforts for sure. But any one of them um, brings a positive effect to your business and would be materially better than not doing any of them. Okay, if you, you know, and and look guys, I know some of you out there fall into this category and I know some of you are are aware of it and some of you may not be aware of it. But a business a, you know, and again I'm talking to small and medium sized businesses out there that don't engage in any kind of coherent marketing are essentially doomed. And and you know, I'm not I'm not saying, you know, I'm rooting for that outcome or anything like that. I mean, obviously I'm rooting for all all of you guys to succeed. But if you were to say, hey, Chris, I don't see the benefit in marketing, I don't do any of it, I just kind of wait for the business to come to me and I'm fine, well, that's that's okay. I mean, if you're growing that way, that's probably very much an outlier on the, on the bell curve. Uh, but most businesses that take that approach are going to fail in the long run because they're not growing, they're not expanding, they're not reaching new customers, they're not deepening their connection with their existing customers. So it's just, you're just sort of destined to kind of wither on the vine uh, if you if you just totally scoff at any kind of organized or, or coherent approach to marketing, okay? So basically the three strata, I would kind of tag them as such, okay? The first one is uh, marketing is a function of saving you time, okay? And I'm going to explain all these to you guys, but I'm just kind of laying the groundwork here. So marketing is a function of saving you time, okay? The second strata is marketing is a function of growing your business, you know, revenue, customers, etc. cetera, okay? And then the third strata is marketing as a function of branding, okay? So those, those are the three stages, if you will, or elevations that you're going to go through as you embrace marketing. So let's start with the first one. Marketing is a function of saving time. Now, if you recall, guys, I think a couple of podcasts ago—may not have been that many, maybe one or two episodes ago—I was talking about. I think it was the one about outsourcing bookkeeping. When I was talking to you guys about why would you outsource bookkeeping, you know, if if you can do it yourself, why would you ever have somebody else do it, right? And so one of the things I was talking about is that in the early stages, the very early stages of a business, I think a lot of you went through this—you had to be everybody, right? You had to be. You had to be the business, right? You had to either deliver the product or the service. And you had to be the bookkeeper. And you had to do the taxes. And you have to do the marketing. And you have to do the customer service. And you have to be the IT guy, etc., 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 right? You have to wear all the hats, right? And you have to do that because, let's face it, in the beginning, you, you don't have enough resources on hand to hire people to do all those things. And you may be in a position where you recognize the value of knowing How to do all those things because if you do hire somebody, you need to know if they're doing the right things. You need to know if they're actually value added to your business or if they're just pulling the wool over your eyes, right? So the bottom line is at some point, you know, you recognize that your time is best spent on developing your company, whether that's improving internal processes. Reaching out to customers and and landing deals and making sales and being very direct in your in your um, delivery of your product or your service, you know, executing the work that you have earned from you know, like actually doing the work, you know, whatever your service is, and you're the one who's who's actually doing that service, you know, that's where your focus ultimately, you're going to want to put it there, right? You're going to want to deliver excellent work to your customer. You're going to want to, you know, keep your business running as a well-oiled machine. Those, those are the things that are sort of the most imperative to making sure you survive, right? That you keep growing, that you have revenue coming in, there's cash flowing through your business, you can pay expenses, you can make payroll, all those types of things. So at some point, and I'm not just talking about marketing here, although that is the focus of, the, of this particular episode, but at some point you recognize like, okay, I need to shed these other activities, these other activities are not my core discipline. They're not the core thing that propels my business forward. So therefore, I need at some point to stop doing them. So when you bring on, again, now speaking specifically about marketing, now let's say you decide, okay, I'm going to bring in a marketing firm to do my marketing. Okay, now maybe maybe I, the business owner, will still do sales. You know, I will still show up to a customer's site. I will demo my product, I will I will meet with them in person to close a deal for my services. But all the the stuff before that, all the marketing that goes into bringing awareness to who I am and what my product is and what my service is, that I'm going to offload to somebody. So when you make that decision, when that clicks in your brain, like okay, I need more time to do the critical functions in the business, I don't have the time to be marketing i don't have time to learn social media platforms i don't have time to be a facebook ad expert i don't have time to be a youtube ad expert i don't have time to put up social media posts three times a week etc 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 right so when you come to that calculus and you make that decision you have entered this first stage of marketing marketing as a function of saving time so let's say your marketers are mediocre Okay, let's say, you know, let's not say they're the worst marketers out there, but let's say they're not the best. They still, in in some particular way, have done you a service, right? Because they have sort of taken off of your hands an entire discipline that you're caught up with doing, right? And they've eliminated that and removed it from your plate. So now, if you think of your time as like a pizza pie, you know, you get a slice back, Right, and that slice, whatever percentage that is on that pie, now goes back into the critical aspects of your business. Okay, so now don't get me wrong, guys. If you hire a horrifically bad marketer who brings you bad press and you know gets you all in, in all kinds of trouble, and all, I mean that's not worth the time. That that actually is going to create even more burden on you. So that's not what I'm talking about, obviously. But if if you are dealing with at least a fairly competent marketer, then you know, that's not creating new trouble for you, then at that fairly low barrier to entry, you have now come into that first strata of saying, okay, I now have a marketer on my team and hopefully you got them for a good price and a good discount and all that because, you know, obviously resources are still thin in the beginning traditionally, but you've brought them in and you say, okay, I gained that time back. Okay. I basically bought back that time by bringing on that marketer to do that function. Okay. And inevitably, if, as long as they're, you know, kind of running in the background and doing enough to keep your name out there and keep you connected, then you can focus on propelling the business forward. And likely, if you're competent, you will propel the business forward and you will in some way, direct or indirect or both, you will have benefited from bringing in that marketer. Okay. So that's kind of stage one. It's not that complicated. It's, it's, Fairly straightforward, but I think you guys understand. I mean, I, I think any of you that is strapped for time can can at least appreciate what I'm getting at with this, with this first kind of uh, level of uh, marketing success, quote unquote. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, in terms of you know bringing in, uh, bringing in an outside uh, agency and offloading the work and gaining back the time. Okay. All right. So now let's talk about the second stage. Let's talk about marketing as a function of growth, you know, growth in your business, Uh, you know, bringing in more revenue, bringing in more customers, Uh, you're adding more followers to your social media accounts. So this is, this is where now, okay, so you brought in a marketer, let's say, now you've saved time, now you're out there closing more deals, you've got more time on your hands to do other functions in the business, improve processes, get more efficient, get more lean, things of that nature, right? so now let's say you look over at your marketer and you're like hey how how are you guys doing well let's say they're doing well let's say let's say you've brought in a marketer that's 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 not just fairly competent but is extremely competent and really knows what they're doing and really knows how to both manage your expectation and you know help you to understand the timelines and the horizons that come with different approaches to social and digital marketing but they're delivering on those expectations so they've set an expectation with you like hey you know for example We want to go purely organic. Okay, we need 6 to 12 months on that. Or, oh, we're going to go with paid traffic campaigns. Okay, we're going to get your results in 3 to 5 months. Whatever the numbers are. I mean, they're going to change for everybody in every business. But if you have a situation where your marketer actually turns out to be pretty good, now you're in the second strata. Because not only when you brought that marketer in did you save time so you could go do other things that you deemed more important, and actually are more important in some sense to your business. But that marketer is delivering on their promise. And they're bringing you more business. They're bringing you more customers. They're increasing the awareness of your brand and your product and your service. And guess what? Your bottom line is growing because there's more top line revenue coming in. Let's say you're plowing some of that money back into the marketing effort. So let's say you've taken a small ad campaign and elevated it into a medium or large size, you know, for for your proportions, uh, you know, a larger ad campaign. And now all of a sudden you're getting more conversions out of that. You're making more sales out of that. And you're growing. And just with more revenue flowing in, that probably means, you know, it doesn't guarantee it but it probably means you have more profit coming in. And and then, you know, whatever you do with that profit is your prerogative. A lot of business owners will pivot and pull that profit back into the business and plow it right back into more marketing and business development and sales and things of that nature so they can keep scaling, okay? If you don't do that, if you pull the profit, that's fine too. But the bottom line is, in this strata, when you come up to this level, you've now got your marketer basically... Um, you know, carrying their function to another degree. Not just, they're not just saving you time anymore. They're saving you time plus, plus adding business to your ledger. Okay? So that's, and and, and let me just say this right now, guys. If, if you stop there, if you don't ever get to this third strata that I'm about to describe, and, and you've got a comfortable situation going on with, with the second strata found a good marketing firm, they're delivering on their promises, you're growing your business, you've got more revenue coming, you've got more customers, you're in great shape. I mean, you're probably in much better shape than, you know, the other 9 out of 10 businesses that are in your sector, okay, or your your industry or whatever, okay? So it's a huge, huge deal just to get to this level and to see those kind of results come in and to see that relationship grow with your marketer because obviously as they work your product and they work your service and they bring in more business and they bring in more customers, they're getting to know you better. So they're actually there's like a a feedback loop there that's very positive, right? And it's just helping you to grow and push and propel the business forward, right? Okay. So we got through strata one, strata two, let's go up to strata three. So this is, you know, this is marketing as a function of branding. And I would say, aka, you know, also known as becoming a media company. (coughs) Excuse me. So, what do I mean by becoming a media company? So, let me frame it this way. In the first two strata, the existence of your business was primarily to deliver your product or service... And then secondarily, to establish and create a brand around that product and a reputation around that product that can proliferate and help you grow your business, right? So it's product or service first, followed by all the other stuff. You know, in particular, you know, obviously I'm focusing on marketing. And I'm focusing on all those efforts that, that are categorized as marketing to, to help bring your business up to, you know, the next level, Okay. When you enter the third strata, when you come up to this level of becoming a media company, and you're doing marketing as a function of branding, like very, you know, thoughtful, you know, um, um, projected, uh, focused branding efforts, right? You have turned the function of the business around to where the creation of content and value that's attached to your product or service, but isn't actually your product or service, right? It's the, it's the, it's the, you're getting the word out about your product or service. That activity becomes the primary function of your business. And then the delivery of your product or service becomes secondary. Now, when I say becomes secondary, do not get me wrong. I don't mean you start shipping out defective products. I don't mean you start delivering crappy customer service or, or service, period, okay? <clears throat> when I say it becomes secondary, I mean, from a consciousness standpoint, your first priority, your first, you know, and, and that's probably not even the right word, but your first step forward in everything you do is to establish brand, and then behind that brand, you deliver. You deliver a great product. You deliver a great service. And so what you're really doing is the branding is being supported by the product or service. And you say, well, Chris, I still don't get that. It sounds backwards. It sounds like it sounds like I'm not, I'm not giving my customers the best. Actually, it has nothing to do with that. You still are giving your customers the best. Okay, now presumably when you get up to this level, you're not the only one who's doing this work. Obviously you've hired a marketer like I said before, so you've got somebody or some agency that is obviously assisting you with this, and at this point you've probably scaled up their effort. You've probably got you know the largest presence you've ever had before in that marketing company and in that 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 uh, uh, that arm of your operation, okay So it's not like you're doing this stuff and you're distracted from your product or service or anything like that. But as a whole, as an aggregate, your company now primarily exists to establish its brand. And the reason that's positive for your customers is because the more you establish that brand, the more you begin to transcend your competition, where you essentially start playing your own game with no competition, because nobody has your brand, nobody can have your brand. Right, you've, you've established it so so fiercely as the leader, quote unquote, in that industry, that sector, that 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 business unit, whatever the case might be. You're so firmly established there that you literally are drawing business to you without any other effort. <clears throat> so people are coming to your business because of the brand. And now you're reaching more customers, you're helping more people, you're reinforcing your value exponentially compared to any other time that you had your business running prior to becoming a media company, okay? So when you think about it, you know, think of like some of the, you know, like the major massive brands that are out there. And you can just, without even having to really think that hard about it, you know that customers will pay anything to have that brand versus a nondescript alternative. So think about how much will people pay for, let's say, Nike Air Jordan sneakers versus a similar pair of sneakers that don't have the Nike logo or the Jumpman logo on it. They're not going to pay the same amount. It could be the exact same shoe. You could literally tell them it's the exact same shoe. Same material, same construction, same design. They will pay more money to make that logo appear on that sneaker. (coughs) Okay? So, So that is the power of branding. People want to pay more to you for your product. People want to ignore cheaper alternatives, maybe in some cases better alternatives, I mean, who knows? They don't want anything to do with those because it's not the brand that they have attached themselves to, that they believe in, that they now know and like and trust. And so that's the only direction they're going to go. And so when you've achieved this, you essentially magnetize business to you. And, you know, you're probably still going to keep your marketing efforts going. Obviously, that's how you became a media company. But now there's no closing sales. There's no convincing somebody that you are the proper choice for them from a product or service perspective. There's no more of that. There's just drawing them in and then they want to close the deal. And in some cases, you're not even really drawing them in. They, they know who you are, and they'll come find you. And they know exactly how to find you. They know exactly where to find you. And they will find you. Okay? So, so But, of course, you keep the effort going so that you maintain your positioning and keep growing. And who knows? You know, There are going to be some people out there that don't know about you, and you're going to reach them this way. But by the time they get to you, the brand story and the brand power will convert them. Rather than you having to make the conversion, sort of at an individual level, or even even an organizational level. Okay, so you say, okay, Chris. Well, that sounds, you know, it sounds really heady and you know, very, <coughs> very, you know, very lofty. You know, it doesn't sound very easy to get there, and 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 look, it's not, it, it's not. Or more people would be doing it. <coughs> Excuse me, more businesses would be doing it. So it is hard to do. It is intensive, and it is time-consuming to somebody, right? I mean, if it's not you doing it, it's consuming somebody else's time, right? But the key thing here, guys, you might say, all right, Chris, you know, okay, maybe I'm sold on this, maybe I'm not. What does this look like? Like, what do you, you know, what 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 functions are you talking about? What does this actually look like on a day-to-day basis? So what this basically looks like, guys, is it looks like your entire sort of operation, marketing, has essentially turned into the inner workings, if you will, of a media company. Where, where content and the constant production of content is the order of the day. So, you know, and, and um, one of my virtual mentors, uh, who I've never met in person, just learned a lot from, from afar, but Gary Vaynerchuk, talks extensively about this. And, you know, if you need more convincing or you want more information on it, you just want to see somebody else's perspective, you should look at him. I mean, you should look at whomever else you need to feel comfortable with to, to be sold on it. But you should definitely look at him as one of those people and, and consume some of his material about it. Because the point that he is making is that you have to find ways to keep content flowing Essentially at all times. And when I say at all times, obviously I don't mean you post something on every platform every minute. But what you do is you find ways to leverage ongoing activities, events, milestones, news, you know, current events, whatever. Bringing all that under this tent of content production, turning it into pieces of content and strategically disseminating those pieces of content on probably a daily basis. I would say if you're not posting on a daily basis, you're, you're, you're probably not going to be a media company. I mean, I don't think you can be one if you're not posting that frequently. Now, I mean, obviously I don't mean you know you have to post 10 million times a day, but there should be something coming out each day about your business and your brand and your story and your narrative and your vision and your mission and your customer service and your testimonials and so on and so forth, okay? So, you know, one of the things we'll talk about in a totally separate episode is the notion of pillar content and how you make large pieces of content sort of in a one-shot deal and then that pillar content carries you onto other platforms in smaller bite-sized chunks. And so, literally, you could have a situation where you film one one-hour video and now all of a sudden you've got a one-hour video for YouTube, a four-part you know series, 15 minutes apiece on Facebook Watch, 61-minute uh, clips on Instagram, you know, uh, 120 30-second clips on TikTok. I mean, obviously I'm exaggerating a little bit. You wouldn't use every single minute of the entire video. But you get my point. And this is something we're going to look at in, in a bit more technical detail in a future episode. But the real point here, guys, is that when you reach the point where you can crank out literally just tons of content flowing on a daily basis and you create so much of it that you essentially become omnipresent like you you literally like like people in your area that you're targeting that are relevant to your business they can't escape you they they can't they couldn't run away from you if they wanted to you know every time they open their social media app whatever it is you know Twitter Instagram TikTok Facebook whatever all of the above there you are you know you're popping up everywhere all the time. And of course like I said before I don't mean that literally, but all the time meaning like there's really a day that doesn't go by that they don't that they don't have some awareness of you and they don't make some connection with you and they don't get some opportunity to trust you. Okay? So becoming a media company, this is a whole new game. It's 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 literally taking again like I said at the beginning, the core function of your business and sort of turning it 180 degrees you know to the opposite side where now really what you think about every day is how do i create and promote and build my brand and then the other stuff will take care of itself you know i'm still going to make sure i deliver a great product i'm still going to make sure i deliver great services but my my guiding light every day is how Do I create more value-added content? How do I create more opportunities for someone to become aware of me and to ultimately trust me? Because once they trust me, it's always more likely that they would rather come back to me for a purchase than go try to find someone else to trust. Pure and simple, okay? It literally rests on that premise. And it rests on the premise that once your brand is established, you can charge whatever you want. You can charge whatever you want. Now, depending on what you're selling, obviously there's some guideline to that. Um, You know, you're not going to take what's normally a $14.99 e-commerce product and sell it for $14 million. But you have so much more headroom on where you can price your product. You can look at your competition, if you even want to call them that anymore, and you can say, well, the average price out there for what I'm doing is 1000 bucks, so I'm going to charge 3500 But when people put my $3,500 service up against these $1,000 services, there's no comparison. They want to pay me the extra $2,500 because of who I am, what my brand is, what it stands for, how comfortable they've gotten with me um, in in terms of that branding. And, you know, another reason, guys, that you have to be posting a lot is simply because some of these platforms are just literally very, very, very difficult to break through. I mean, obviously, if you run ads on them, you're going to break through right away. Uh, but but I'm really more so talking about if you're, if you're going in for the long game on, on organic content, it takes a long time. So the more stuff you're putting out, the more opportunities that you're going to get coming back to have made a connection to have made a connection with somebody. Okay. So, um, so the name of the game on the media company is number one, changing the perspective as to what is the guiding light, the guiding, the guiding principle each day. Okay. With the focus shifting over to content production and branding. And, and, And so that's sort of like the first condition I think you have to accept the second condition is that you have to create a lot of content. And, and it has to be well beyond, most likely, what you were doing on strata number two, the one I described before this one. Okay, this really becomes like you're everywhere. You know, you're in Instagram stories. You're in Instagram reels. You're on TikTok. You're on Facebook. You're in Facebook stories. You're on, you know, you're on Twitter. You're, I mean, you're all over the place to make sure you're picking up audience share Everywhere you can get it as you build that brand and as you build that brand recognition. Okay. So I think that if you accept those two conditions, that the name of the game becomes branding, and the name of the game to become, you know, to to get to branding is to create tons of content, then you are, are at least open to this notion of becoming a media company. Now, whether you're going to succeed or not is a totally different story because it's not easy, but it now puts you, you essentially end up with like an escape velocity, and you're just out of the orbit now that everybody else is stuck in, and you're out of that game where you're just competing on price and you're competing on undercutting somebody else, and now you're more expensive than everybody else, but people are knocking your door down. Okay. And what I would also describe this as another way to think of this, guys, is your efforts essentially become monopolistic, right? You essentially monopolize the space that you're in because no one else can compare themselves to who you are from a brand perspective. There's nobody who can get lumped in with you. I mean, even, I mean, look at, let's go back to the Coke analogy Coke and Pepsi. I mean, you know, they do the same thing, right? But nobody ever confuses those two brands. Nobody's like, oh, it's just, you know, those companies are, are, you know, they might as well blend together. I mean, now, now, if you say that their their product tastes similar, that's a little different. That's a different story, and I'm not referring to that. I'm saying from a corporate perspective, there's nobody who knows Coca-Cola and Pepsi who's ever going to confuse the two of them. They're just not. You just it's it's not something you're able to do at this point. They've branded themselves so strongly, and they're so recognizable by the by the colors, the logo, the taglines, everything. Okay so you you literally become monopolistic when you succeed at this third strata okay and so this is something that um you know i believe strongly in i i i think you're going to hear a lot about this on on our on our podcast here the Forum podcast <clears throat> because i think this can be examined from so many different angles and you can go very tactical on it like okay chris i'm sold you know tell me what to do every day to be a media company you know there's that kind of discussion and then there's the more strategic discussion of like you know Reasoning through this thing and making sure it's the right decision for you, and you have you you you're up for it, you have the capacity for it, all those types of more macro oriented questions. Okay, so a little bit of a longer episode here, guys. This is this is definitely one that I wanted to kind of hammer home. I think it's kind of a signature episode, if you will, so far out of the 19 now that we've done uh, here at at, at at the Transform Podcast. But this is really, really, really important. And it's important for everybody along the spectrum. If you have no marketing right now, this was very important. If you have some marketing right now, this was very important. And if you have lots of marketing right now, but you stopped short of option three or strata number three, then you, too, have benefited from this podcast and you needed to hear this as well. Okay? So, anyway, guys, let's wrap it up here. Um... You know, really appreciate everybody liking, sharing, subscribing, checking in on the podcast as we wrap up the year. I know things are getting hectic here in the States with the holidays and stuff like that. I mean, we'll definitely be back up twice next week. I can't promise you that it'll be the 21st and the 23rd, but definitely look out for two episodes next week. Uh, we will be we will be publishing the same amount of content, whether it drops on the exact same day, we'll see. I'm definitely going to try to maintain that as much as possible. This week, I apologize, we slipped by a day to Wednesday, Friday versus, um, you know, versus a Tuesday, Thursday. So we'll see. But definitely don't want you guys to think we're taking a couple of weeks off here and we'll be back in the New Year. We will be publishing content both the week of Christmas and the week of New Year's. Okay? Thanks so much, guys. Drop us a note on Facebook, LinkedIn. Check us out there. Come over to the website, uh, or uh, connect with us here on the podcast. If you like the podcast, if you share the podcast, if you subscribe to the podcast, we are deeply indebted to you, and we deeply appreciate it. Okay, guys, so hopefully I didn't leave anything out. I know it was kind of an expansive discussion on this topic, but we will address it again in the future. So if there's something, you know, you felt was a loose end or a loose thread, trust me, we will come back to it, okay? All right, thanks so much, guys. Hope you guys have a great day and a great weekend coming up, and we'll check in with you guys next week. All right, bye-bye. Greetings, and welcome back to the Transform podcast. Uh, it is Tuesday, 21 December 2021, and I'm your host, Christopher Anastasio, and welcome to episode 20. Um, can't believe we've done 20 episodes already, but uh, here we are with just a few days left in the year. We're on episode 20. Uh, based on the number of recording days left, we'll be at episode 23 when 2021 closes out, so uh, kind of exciting to, to move into the next uh, the next rung on the ladder, um, and glad that you've been along for the ride with us. Um, today's episode, we're going to talk about Instagram captions, okay? So that's going to be kind of the focus today, a little bit granular. Uh, not going to spend a ton of time on it, but what we want to try to do on this episode, guys, is give you some ideas, give you some thoughts, some strategies and tactics to make the most of that real estate that appears below your Instagram posts. Now, if you're not using Instagram, obviously you can kind of tune out of this episode or you can bail out of it. But I would say that without even knowing you or your business, it's, it's, you'd be hard-pressed to, to say why you're not on Instagram. Okay, So, so again, you know, it's not necessarily one-size-fits-all, but I would say that in most cases, there is a strong case to be made that you uh, establish a presence on Instagram. Now, you can can be very technical about that, you can tie it all the way back to, hey, you need a Facebook business page because you want to run Facebook ads, for example, or you just want to kind of set up shop there because it's the longest kind of running platform in terms of uh, how long it's been around and how long it's been accumulating users. So if you're going to be on Facebook, well, Facebook owns Instagram and you might as well sort of cross-populate the two platforms. So in a very practical manner. That would be the case I would make for you being on Instagram, <laughs> but it's usually going to be for more reasons than that, right? That's maybe like a cornerstone reason or, or a you know, a, a basic reason to be there uh, because you might as well, quote unquote, be there. But I think that there's a lot you can accomplish on Instagram, a lot of delivery methods for content, you know, from the, the traditional news feed. We can switch things up with, you know, single posts or carousels or video clips uh, to the stories feature, which is just getting more and more robust for the everyday user, especially now that you can sort of include links in your stories, you know, things of that nature. Um, to Reels, Instagram Reels is is really producing a lot of organic reach for uh, businesses and individuals trying to catch up to TikTok. So a lot of possibilities. Plus, you can run ads on Instagram. Okay, obviously, you know, you have your Facebook account, your business page. You can run ads both on the Facebook and Instagram platforms. So so a lot to be said there about using Instagram. Now, going down a layer here into the whole discussion about captions. Okay, so let's say I've convinced you to turn turn your attention to Instagram if you're not already there, or let's say you are there. Okay, so now let's talk about how to use that real estate below the post. Okay, so first off, guys, I would just kind of lead off by saying, don't waste the space, right? I see a lot of Instagram posts where it's you know it's a one-word caption that really has nothing to do with the post in essence, um, you know hashtags aren't being used properly. Or maybe the whole maybe the whole caption is just hashtags. It's you know if you're posting casually to Instagram, you're using it for fun. Fine, but if you're using it for your business and you're and you're taking every single post and trying to maximize and squeeze the juice out of every post and piece of content you have, you've got to learn how to use the captions properly. And you have to learn to use them effectively uh, to, to, to just optimize every single bit of traction you can get out of each post. Now, the main thing I would say, a couple thoughts on not wasting the space. The main thing I would say is get your value proposition into your caption. Okay, so whatever, you know, maybe from a macro standpoint with your, with your whole business or for that specific post and whatever's in it, make sure you're putting a value proposition forward what makes you different what makes you you know attractive to a customer why would a customer consider buying from you now, it doesn't have to be salesy i'm not saying you know push a sale on somebody with every post that you make but just make sure that you're hitting on some aspect of your value proposition if, if you're the the cleanest the fastest the cheapest the smartest the you know the uh... the easiest what, whatever your thing is or combination of things try to find ways to weave that into your posts Uh, Again, you don't have to hit people over the head with it. Maybe once in a while you hit them over the head with it, but you want to make sure that there's a thread running through your posts where you're making sure to articulate um, that value proposition. Now, you know, I guess uh, as an extension of that, I would say use the space to inform and educate your audience, right? Inform them about product benefits. Inform them about product features. Um, educate them about what your service can do for them. How how does it make their life easier? How does it make their life simpler? How does it make their life better? Those types of things. So do not be afraid to be descriptive in your caption. I mean, don't be afraid to put some real text in there and, you know, know, use your line breaks to kind of, you know, break up the space a little bit. Have a little bit of white space in there so it's easy to read and they cascade down the caption. But, you know, don't shy away from some length, and we'll get into... How long is too long here in a moment in terms of the number of characters you can use and so forth. But uh, definitely, definitely, definitely make use of the space to help your customer come away smarter about your brand, smarter and more informed about your product or service than they were before they got there. Okay? So that's kind of an extension of the value proposition. The other thing I would say, guys, is, and and, and this is actually a little known. In fact, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about this. In fact, maybe there's a chance it's not accurate, but I have seen it in a few places is that when you, let's say you have a long caption. Well, it means if somebody stops and reads that caption, they're sitting there looking at your post for a while, right? I mean, because, you know, they couldn't just scroll past it. I mean, they couldn't read one word and keep going. They had to keep reading all the text you put there, right? So when you do that, you essentially lock their eyeballs on your account for a longer period of time than, let's say, the average account. Or let's say if you just put one word and they scrolled right past you. So when you do that, when you get users to stare at your account for a longer than average amount of time, guess what? That improves your engagement score, and I'm using that term loosely, uh, kind of using it as my own vernacular here, but you, you improve from the Instagram algorithm's perspective, your, your reach, your, your ability to hold the attention of the user. And of course, Instagram wants to hold the attention of its users. It does not want its users going over to TikTok. It doesn't want its users going over Snapchat. It wants its users to stay on the Instagram platform. And so to do that, it wants people to create content that is engaging and gripping. So of course, having a longer caption that's going to keep somebody there is only a good thing from an algorithmic perspective. Okay, now, if we hear anything different from that, if I hear anything about that not being the case or they change that or whatever, of course, we would be sure to inform you guys. All right, let's move on. So that's kind of, I mean, honestly, guys, that's the meat of the podcast right there. Like, like knowing that you should use this space and how you can use it, you know, from being informative to being to, to putting your sales pitch in there to your value proposition to communicating your mission and your vision and your goals for the company that include the customer, you know, that affect the customer... Um, that's really the podcast. I mean, that's what you need to take away from this and and feel inspired to do. Now, what I want to do is use the rest of the time to just kind of inform you guys a little bit about captions and how you can approach them uh, and what some of the limits are. So from a techie perspective, you get 2,200 characters. Now, 2,200 characters is pretty good. I mean, that's a pretty solid amount of um, text that you can get in there for a social media post like this. Okay, you know, if the average word is... Five or so characters, well, you're gonna get uh, what's that four hundred words in there, I think, something like that. I don't know if my math is good or not, but let's yeah, now it's killing me. so twenty two hundred divided by about five, yeah, you get about four hundred words in there, okay, which you know, four hundred plus four hundred to five hundred words. that's a solid you know couple paragraphs or so, I would say, in let's say Microsoft Word. So anyway, that's your limit in terms of characters now when 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 your post comes up, and the text appears below it. You'll you'll notice it always gets truncated, and that truncated truncated point is the one hundred and twenty five um, the one hundred and twenty five character mark. Okay, so when you basically get to um, when you get to one hundred twenty five characters, you're going to be in a position where the text will trail off, and uh, the person has to click you know has to click through to see the rest of it. Okay. So, yeah, 125 characters is not a lot. That's, you know, a handful or so of words, you know, something like that. Um, you know, 10, 10 to 20 words, I guess, depending on how long they are. Okay, now the other thing that you got to uh, keep in mind from a numbers perspective or metric perspective is the number of hashtags. So you get 30 hashtags per post. And, you know, I've, I've read a lot of studies on this, guys, and, you know, like, well, how many hashtags is ideal, and is it actually 30, is it actually one, what is it? The latest round of data that I looked at, that I've analyzed, is somewhere between 20 and 30 is the best. Now, what's interesting is that uh, in the data I saw, that there was actually more engagement on about 20 um, hashtags versus 30. But there are others who will say that you're going to run into that say, look, if you get 30, use 30. It's just 10 more times than 20 to have somebody discover you based on their search criteria based on the hashtag they're searching so you know in, in this sense guys i would say this is more art than science or it gets to a point where it's more art than science and i would say look you know use the amount that makes sense to you and try different amounts you may find that for your audience you know five hashtags is enough or that you know getting 30 out there is always better that you always end up with more followers and likes and so forth because of that okay so the other thing I was going to say about hashtags, guys, another debate that you can kind of try both sides of for your purposes is some people say put the put the hashtags inside the post. And others say create the post, post it, and then put the hashtags in the first comment. Now, I've, I've played with both guys. For, first of all, from an artistic standpoint, I like putting the hashtags in the comments. Okay. So you have a post. The post goes up. It's clean. There are no hashtags in it but then the very first comment has the hashtags. But you're gonna hear other people say, no, it all needs to be together, it's more effective if it's together. So I think, again, that's for your own taste. I mean, try it out, see where you're getting the engagement, see where you're getting the response, and then you can decide what you wanna do with that. Okay guys, so we covered why it's important to use the captions and the type of content that you probably wanna work in there. Talk a little bit about technical parameters. Let's just hit a couple miscellaneous items here. Um, you know, another thing you can do, guys, and we kind of covered this a little bit back in episode three, I believe it was. Uh I'm sorry, no, it wasn't three. It was, I want to be exact here. Eight. In episode eight, we talked about the art of trend jacking. That, that came out on November 9th. Um, and trend jacking, I mean, I'm not gonna go over the whole thing again, but one of the things we were talking about, you know, that I that I covered in that episode, was that um when you have a chance to tie your content your brand into something that's popular in culture and it makes sense you can you can sort of reveal some relevance between the two it's not like a total kludging of two ideas if you can weave them together somehow some way then then try to do that try to work a pop culture you know hashtag or reference or some kind of of um of a callback in there that can create sort of a clever effect for your brand and your content. And I think one of the examples I covered in the trend jacking episode was, uh, at least for anyone who follows National Football League, especially here in the United States, uh, if you go back to like the 2013 Super Bowl, I think it was, uh, power outage, all the lights went out in the stadium, the game was delayed for a while, and Oreo cookies took advantage of that and said something like, you know, our cookies, you can dip our cookies in the dark. Or something like that. I I'm not getting it exactly right. But they used literally a live, ongoing situation that they knew everybody was watching because everybody here watches the Super Bowl when it comes on uh, if for no other reason than watch the commercials. And they jumped on that bandwagon on their social media channels and created this clever little campaign. So when I say pop culture tie-ins, look for relevance, look for opportunities to make sense. If they don't, don't, don't force it. Don't just do it to do it, okay? So that's one thing to think about there. Um, Let's come back over to hashtags for a second, something I left out. Um, When you create your hashtags, let's say you're like, okay, Chris, I'm going to do 20 hashtags. I'm going to play around with 20. Look at sort of evenly dividing up or or, or properly distributing what those hashtags are theme-wise for your content, for your post. So, for example, you may have, if you're going to go 20, You may have, let's say, five that are brand-related. You know, they have, like, the name of your company or the company slogan or the name of the company plus the name of the product, whatever. Five on brand, five that are, let's say, seasonal. And by seasonal, like, you know, you could mean the weather or it could be, you know, something to do with, like, the holidays, for example. Like, here we are on December 21st, so you might have something to do with uh, the Christmas holiday or, or, um, you know, as you came into December earlier in the month Hanukkah or whatever, okay? The point is you can tie in seasonal goings-on uh, both calendar-wise and weather-wise, and so forth, uh, into your hashtag strategy. Uh, think about you know do another five on location. You know if if especially if you have like a brick and mortar business, or you want to encourage clients to stop by your business, or to, or to consider using your business because of proximity, uh, you can tie in some location hashtags. You know New York, New York. Uh, you know um, Brooklyn, New York. I mean whatever. You guys get the point. But you can work you work those type of hashtags in and um and kind of create a certain buzz around where you're located okay and then lastly you can also just do interest based stuff so if you're selling a product uh you know let's say you know home goods you know let's say i don't know power tools for example you can put in things like you know home renovations or uh fixer upper or, or you know uh power tools you know whatever but but those would be interest based hashtags like that so try spreading them out a little bit try seeing you know, um, what kind of mixture gets you the best result. Uh, but but definitely, I would try, you know, I, I mean, you may find that some are more effective than others, but I would at least start off and try some of these different buckets and some of these different categories to see what response you, you can gin up, okay? Okay, another miscellaneous item to cover with you guys uh, revolves around encouraging engagement. And so what I would say here is, because you can't do um, because he, because you cannot include in the caption a link, you can't put a link there for somebody to click on. What you can do is you can try to get some movement on your post by doing things like asking an open-ended question that maybe somebody's going to answer down in the comments. The more comments you get, the more the Instagram algorithm likes that. Uh, you could do yes-no type polls or you know, you could do a carousel of, of pictures where you have pictures one, two, three, and four. And you say, hey, which one did you like the best? One, two, three, or four. And then you get, boom, everybody's commenting one, two, three, or four down the line on your post. So you accomplish a few things there. You encourage engagement, you get people interested, you get them thinking, you get them to comment, and you get some traction from the Instagram algorithm that way, okay? So that's that's just one example. I mean, you know, you could put a poll in there. Like I said, you could do an open-ended question. Um, You know, something current event related. Hey, guys, what do you think about this thing that happened? you know, something like that, okay? So look for ways to encourage that engagement uh, uh, towards your post. Um, and then the last item that I wanted to cover before we finish up is uh, calls to action. Okay, so so what you wanna do, is, this is a little more specific than engagement, where you're just kind of encouraging people to interact with your post. You, you definitely want to, uh, judiciously of course, use your captions as an opportunity to directly point somebody towards completing some particular action. Like, hey, click the link in my bio. Hey, leave a comment below with blank. Hey, you know, uh, go, go to my profile page and check out, you know, the rest of my posts. I mean, whatever. You guys get the point. Is to encourage uh, or, or not necessarily encourage. I mean, it's, it's, it's really now you've moved beyond the encouragement phase and you're really trying to get the person to convert off your wording and trying to get them to move to the next step. So this is where you want to be a little bit more forceful and a little bit more direct in saying, hey, you know, uh, when, when, you know at the conclusion of the post or wherever it makes sense, hey guys, take this next action. You know, leave your, you know, e- you know, DM me your email address and I will send you a free guide. You know, something like that. Like it has a very conversion-oriented feel to it, a very direct kind of feel like that uh, to- towards what you want them to do next, okay? So I think we're going to kind of wrap it up there, guys. I, I mean, trust me, there's more we could talk about with uh, with Instagram captions. I mean, you could go on and on about all the different little tactics and so forth. Um, you know, spacing them out properly, editing them properly. I mean, you know, this stuff you guys can kind of look up um, and, and, and see for yourself some of the ways that you want to uh, to play around with them. But, but I think that kind of covers the gamut for now in terms of of how you guys, you know, if you're using Instagram, how you can kind of up your caption game. And if you're not on Instagram, this maybe helps you realize a little bit why uh, why it's so important to be there, most likely for your business, uh, because there's just so many sort of moving parts here that you can manipulate uh, towards uh, increasing engagement and follower count and, and uh, just interaction with your brand, okay? So uh, one final thought on that is, you know, a lot of people have viewed Instagram as a younger person's platform. Well, I would argue that TikTok has supplanted that title and Instagram's not quite (laughs) the youngest of the young uh, in terms of a platform uh, demographic. What's interesting is the Instagram uh, generation that kind of embraced it in the 2010s, as we move into the 2020s, well, they're getting older and their economic buying power is increasing. So I think You really, I I would argue that if I was sitting here trying to convince a business owner to get on TikTok versus Instagram, it would be much harder for me to to make a blanket justification on TikTok uh, versus Instagram. I think Instagram is becoming more and more um, crucial to the mixture of, you know, your omni-channel approach. Uh, It would include Instagram much more likely than, let's say, TikTok. But anyway, guys, I'm going to wrap it up here. Thanks for listening to this uh, episode. I know we only have a few more left in the year. It's kind of Amazing to think uh, how close we are to moving into twenty twenty two but hopefully we've given you guys some things to think about over the last few weeks as you strategize for the new year. Maybe like I said, you're not doing this stuff now, but you're like hey, let me let me embrace Instagram captions in twenty two and check it out for my business, things like that. Uh, as always, we encourage you to like, uh, subscribe, share the podcast uh friends, family, uh, you know business partners, whatever uh, and then of course, you can always visit us over on our social media pages, very active over on Facebook and LinkedIn. Uh, would love to hear from you guys there as well. And, of course, you can always visit the Transform uh, website, Transform.com. Once again, I'm your host, Christopher Anastasio, signing off. Uh, we'll be back again later this week with Episode 21. Until then, guys, you have a great night, and we'll talk soon. Thanks. Bye-bye.